today on the Rita Mimi Do It Show. For the consumer product goods in the beauty and food and beverage, there just, there wasn't product available. There's a huge plastic bottle shortage. Uh, now we're seeing the later effects of inflation on the cost of goods. So for example, some of the most popular American beverage brands that you can think of couldn't get aluminum for six months. Now that aluminum is available because other countries have opened up their manufacturers, the cost has gone up significantly, as well as shipping those goods if they come from overseas. Um, the thing with hospitality, again, with COVID is just people weren't traveling. So it was trying to get individuals excited at getting COVID level pricing and banking it and locking it in for future now revenge travel and revenge vacationing. Because of Rita, I got on the news. Because of Rita, I had 15 speaking engagements last year. Because of Rita, I've become a six-figure business owner. Because, because of Rita, because of Rita, Rita I've doubled my revenue by doubling my clients. I'm Rita, business strategist, speaker, and success coach. Also known as the gal who went on 35 dates in 35 days and blogged all about it. And this is the Rita Mimi Do It Show, where every week I bring you the real information about what it takes to go all in on your dreams so that you can build a profitable business and live a positive life. Some weeks I'll have a guest and others it'll be just you and me, like we're out on my deck sharing a bottle of wine. The conversation, yeah, it'll be that real. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Rita Mimi Do It. I am really excited because this is a live coaching episode. And you guys know that my coaching episodes are some of my favorites. So for those of you who might just be tuning in for the first time, uh, the way that my podcast works is that I have a kind of like a theme for for about a four episode stretch. So what we've been talking about for the past couple of weeks is how to differentiate your business, how to differentiate yourself in a noisy and crowded marketplace. Sometimes people use the word saturated, although I don't believe that any market is saturated, but that kind of, you feel lost in the noise. So how do you differentiate yourself? How do you stand out? That's what we talked about whenever we started this a long time ago when I talked with uh, Donna Bowling and then I went into a solo episode and then we had my Break It Down episode where I broke it down into actionable steps for you. And today we're kind of making a culmination of all of the past episodes. And I've got Lauren with me, who I've actually met on Clubhouse. And I'm so excited because Lauren agreed to be live coached through this whole process. Now, what you're going to hear, and I'm just going to set this and then we're going to hop into it, is not the end, end, end result. Lauren is going to walk away today with all of the pieces that she needs to differentiate herself. We're going to go through, if you listened to my solo episode about two episodes ago, we're going to go through all of the pieces of the five steps of the ingredients, kind of like the ingredients that you need to be able to differentiate yourself. So she's going to be super clear on what each ingredient is, right? But we're not going to have like the final baked cake. We're also going to briefly talk about what you heard about in the Break It Down episode around like core message and voice so that she really understands how to communicate everything that we're going to get clear on. Now, how she 
communicates it, how she puts it out into the world, that's not going to take place in this podcast. As Lauren was joking uh, before we got started, it's like, what, you can't solve everything from somebody you just met with limited information in, in one hour? And I wish I could, but I can't. But Lauren, I am excited for whatever we walk away with today. So why don't you say hi to everybody and let everybody know about you and your business and then why you were excited to uh, take this opportunity. Sure. Hi, Rita. Thanks so much for having me. I'm beyond stoked that met you on Clubhouse with your Wake Up and Win program and getting to apply some of the great knowledge bombs you drop into my everyday application. Starting with this. Um, so I'm Lauren Petrullo. I'm the owner and CEO of Mongoose Media, which is a digital marketing agency. I do own a couple of other brands as well, but this is the one I really want to focus on because as a digital marketing agency owner, uh, I work a lot with e-commerce brands um, and do lead generation and online sales in the Facebook world, in the Google world, and all the spaces that um, people try to get their digital marketing needs met. However, as a service provider who doesn't sell service provider items on Google and Facebook, I find myself the shoe cobbler with not even like broken shoes on. I'm full barefoot, grounding on the earth, realizing that so often I have a lot of friends and small businesses and I'll take them on as favor clients and I'll do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And as much as I love helping my friends blow past their goals, or whatever they're trying to achieve on digital marketing space, I find myself being pulled in a bajillion different directions. And I know that's not what I'm supposed to do because I tell my clients that's not what they're supposed to do. So as much as I love helping others, I'm really excited to find that differentiating ingredient to make my solo soup. Yeah, no, I love that. Your solo soup. So we're going to make your solo soup. Um, and, you know, there is an important kind of side note piece that I want to I want to put out there because a lot of people who do digital marketing or social media management um, or even online business managers, I hear kind of a similar theme around the cobbler idea, right? Which is like the cobbler, the cobbler has no shoes, the cobbler. So I always joke and say this. I always say the cobbler has shoes. It's the cobbler's kids that are walking around without any shoes on, but the cobbler makes sure that he's got some shoes on his feet. It's the cobbler's kids that have no shoes. And so I feel bad for the kids, but like, I do want to note the cobbler's got his shoes on. Um, and there's a reason for that, right? Because when you're hiring someone for social media, most people look at their own social media accounts. So they'll go to the social media manager and say, well, how many followers do you have? And what does your marketing look like online, right? And then same with like an online business manager. A lot of people will go and say, well, what does your process look like whenever I go download your free resource? And how am I getting nurtured? And what are you doing? Because that's what I want to hire you for to do for me. So there is there is an important piece of congruence, which is why factoring in being the CEO of your business first and doing your business development first in the ways you want to will be one of the main things that attract the clients that you want, right? It's by leading and doing and being congruent with what you tell other people that you will attract in that same kind of energy other people who want that same thing. So sometimes the struggle can be from a simple tweak of, I'm just not doing it for myself. And the minute you start doing it for yourself is when you start attracting all of the right 
clients who understand the importance of it and understand that you are good at it without necessarily even needing to talk to you because they've watched you. They've watched you do it for yourself. Now, I just put that out there as like a side note, because that's kind of what we're doing by carving out this time and saying, all right, this is your CEO time. We're going to get clear on some pieces and this will help you market yourself, but this will only be as good as you use it. Does that make sense? Lauren? We get on with these. Oh, totally makes sense. Everything that you're saying, I was like, oh yeah, nope. It's, I, I, I want to wear my nice shoes. I want to wear my nice shoes out. Yeah, exactly. So that's what we're doing for. So let's start with, um, with the very first thing that has to lay the foundation for everything, which is mindset. So everybody knows I just am a full believer that your thoughts become feelings, your feelings lead to your actions or your non-actions, and all of those actions create your results or your lack of results, right? So it doesn't matter what we do. It won't it won't matter the copy that you write, the photos you use, what products and services that you're offering, if your thoughts aren't in alignment with how you want to be perceived in the marketplace. So we have to identify what some of these thoughts are. For example, sometimes people say things like, well, no one wants this. This isn't something a lot of people want. Or I do what everybody else does. Or there's so many people who do what I do, right? No one sees me. Um, it's it, I, I post everywhere, but there are no eyes on me. Like Whatever we think is what's going to become our reality. So if your mindset includes any of these things, that's what you're going to find. So we have to get your thinking to align with the results that you want. So Lauren, for you, what this means is I would like for you to like to tell me, you can write them down and then tell me, the first five statements, and I mean, don't filter them, whatever pops to your head first, whenever I say a phrase to you. So I'm gonna say this phrase to you, and then I want you to just kind of jot down like five things and then tell me what the five things were that you thought of in response to this, which is what I offer is unique and different. Uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is that what I offer is the same as every other social media digital marketing agency. When I think of what is unique that I offer, I have uh, creative problem solving and innovation experience with the Walt Disney Company, where I was a professional creative problem solver. Um, another thing that comes to mind when I think of what I offer is unique and different. I'm really integrated within the Facebook, Klaviyo, and Shopify ecosystem. So I do have connections directly into those companies and have access to betas that not necessarily everyone does. But it's not at all something that I talk about or brag about because I find it's just an industry standard, which I'm learning is not necessarily the case. Um, another thing of what I think about when I am unique and different in my offerings is that I am too young to be charging what I charge. And then I guess the last thing I would think about in my what makes me unique with my offerings is that I'm the face of the company. And so I have a higher level strategy and easier comprehension of all the legs and facets of a team that's almost 20 people large. But at the same time, I am not the smartest person in every single field, but it's always perceived that way. And it pulls on me because if I don't have the answer, even though someone on my team has it, if I don't get it to them faster and sooner, it's not a unique offering whatsoever. Okay. So cool. that, la that last one, I want to clarify a little bit. So you sure. feel like if you're not offering that quick, fast, and you're the one, 
that somehow it loses its value entirely, that it really needs to be, you need to know it, you need to know the answer, and you need to be able to give that answer quick and fast. Otherwise, if it doesn't come from you quickly, it has no value to your client. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Hearing you <laughs> say it out loud is the unfiltered version and it hurts. Yeah, a little bit, right? I didn't mean to, but like, it's true. Cause it's like, you're basically saying if I'm not the one saying it, then it, it doesn't mean anything, right? That nobody else could, could say it, right? Or, or know it or do it. But then, right, that takes away from the power of the team a little bit. And you have a really great, robust team that you've really built. So we're going to talk about all of this. So for everybody following along at home, right? Playing along, uh, with your home edition of this. For, out, for the statements that we just said, I just want you to, to circle the ones that actually don't align with the idea that you are different and unique. So for Lauren, that's, you know, what I offer is the same as every other agency that obviously works against, right? Feeling like you can differentiate yourself. And the same with the, the last statement, right? Like if it's not for me, if it's not me doing it, thinking it, saying it, knowing it, then it can't be a value add in a way that really pops to our clients and our customers as and and the the rate one that I'm too young to be charging the rate because then we're taking age as being an indicator of value as opposed to the ability to actually provide a solution but then there are two that really do work in your favor you were you definitely mentioned the the problem solving with Disney so we want to put a big star next to that and your connections to betas with all of the uh, like Shopify and Facebook et cetera and we want to put a big star next to that because those work in alignment so this exercise just helps you see that until we change some of the core thoughts, it won't really matter what you're doing because everything will be filtered through that thought. The the energy behind it, the actions that you'll take, the way that you'll show up, it's all going to be filtered through. But I'm the same as everybody else. I'm too young to be charging this rate, right? And if I don't know it, then I can't really talk about it because it's nothing of value that we can really provide to people, right? And so how do you think that those three statements then hold you back from showing up in a way that would differentiate yourself? I would say for sure with the age component, uh, it's actually becoming a really delicate loop as we've really expanded on Snapchat and TikTok ads, platforms that are really designated towards Gen Z. And I'm not that young, like I am not Gen Z. So there's almost a part of the conversation where I'm too old to be relevant. But in the same regard, uh, when I'm talking about these bigger platforms that I have like years of experience with, I'm still too young because my five years of experience, despite spending, you know, $250,000 a month on Facebook ads, doesn't equate to someone who's been doing it since day one. Like I'm not an OG in the space. Um, and I, one thing that comes to mind is I'm mindful of when I was working with the Walt Disney Company, my boss was the VP of creativity and I was working alongside some of the highest members of the Walt Disney Company, like even the CMO of the Walt Disney Company was on a project I was tasked with. And from that early stage of my first job out of college, I was told to hide my age because I was working alongside so many seasoned executives. So with the age component, I know that I'm in this double-edged sword scenario where I'm too old to be relevant in the social conversations, but I'm too young to have enough experience to represent my charges. That's that's where I feel like I'm inauthentic to myself because 
What's the answer? Yeah, no, I love it. And I also wrote down, in addition to those, I wrote down a couple of other things that came up for me too, right? Especially around the, the Snapchat and TikTok. Sometimes we feel like, well, how can I be relevant if I'm not the same as the consumer of this thing, right? But what we have to realize is that people are consuming something for a completely different reason. So the reason that a lot of uh, people who might not be Gen Z are really blowing up TikTok is because the Gen Zs are looking to mentors. They're looking to experts. They're looking to role models. That's just the platform that they're comfortable with to go to, right? So it's kind of separating. So like, how is it holding you back as you feel like I, A, both have to be the same as the market that I'm getting in front of, and B, I also have to be way different. So I have to be an expert. And if I can't be the top, top expert, then I have nothing to say either. So what you're really doing is kind of holding your message back on both ends because you're both feeling like, but I'm not the expert in everything. So if I'm not the expert personally, I can't say all of this stuff. But also, if this is above and beyond what I think that this market is, or it kind of dates me or makes me look older or whatever, I have to downplay that so that I meet this market to be just like them. And that's starting to put you in what I think we're going to find is just keeping you in like a generic place. So what we want to be able to do is not downplay your impact. And we don't want to downplay the ability that you have to make that impact, which comes from your team. So I keep circling the word team because I think your team is going to be what differentiates you. Your team is going to be a huge piece of that. All of their expertise, all of their knowledge, all of their resources, everything there is going to be a huge piece of what sets you apart and what makes you more valuable for people, as well as remembering I'm solving a problem. That's what I need to communicate to people wherever I am, on Snapchat, on TikTok, on all of these other platforms. I don't need to be like the people. I have to be able to connect with the audience there. But that doesn't mean I have to be one of them, if that makes sense, for that to be valuable. So these are all just little notes to keep aside about your mindset, because we definitely need to rewrite them. So we need to rewrite them like, I'm com- there's no way that I can be like every other agency. I'm completely different and unique than every other agency. No other agency can have the formula that I have about what we do, who we do it for, and how we do it, right? Like, I'm an expert. I have uh, the skills and the ability to be able to help all of my clients. I have resources and I have a team to do that. And so these are all thoughts that will work in your favor. Now, we're going to clarify some of these so you feel stronger in them. But how does that feel to you to start just telling yourself these statements every day? I can say that I got chills when you talked about the team being a differentiator of my business and leaning in on their experience, as well as their areas of expertise and their own personal genius zones. That was something that was just a rude awakening a little bit. Um, so that was that was really strong. And I think I'm I'm picking up what you're dropping down and I'm here to hear more. Yeah. And so one thing that I love about what you said is really writing down a little note for you to to step more into the mindset of being the CEO of a company and not just the service provider. You are a CEO who owns a company, a thriving agency with a robust team. And sometimes that's important as a differentiator or the ability to differentiate ourselves when we pull ourselves out of just being a service provider. Sometimes when we're looking at it from the CEO role, we see a lot more than we do when we're in it as the service provider. And so once you go, 
I actually run an agency with a team. I definitely need to talk about them. Like the CEO would absolutely be talking about them. Whereas like one of the fellow peers or employees may not be, right? So we're going to like promote you today a little bit to that to that CEO fully so that we can look at your business from that point of view, okay? So as a CEO, right, we need to go into the next step is your self-inventory. So one thing that really helps differentiate you is when you understand who you are, who you are and what you bring to the table for your business, not what you like, not even what you like doing. It's about getting really clear on everything that you bring to the table as a service provider, as a CEO into your business. What can you offer your clients? What can you offer your customers? And these tend to be, guys, the things that we take for granted. And so I don't want any, I, I don't want any of you to skip over this because you might think, ah, oh, but that's not important. Or, this isn't relevant, or that's not a really great skill. Like our greatest strengths often come to us super easy, like in the most easy way possible. And so we take them for granted and don't even see them as a strength. So we need to list it all, everything that comes to mind. So this is what I'm going to do with Lauren now. So Lauren, I want you to kind of just like verbally like respond back to me the idea of all of your, let's start with your strengths. What do you think your strengths are? Sure. Um, I think my strengths are for sure my energy levels and my enthusiasm in general. I am the individual you want on your side to cheerlead you, but like also in your corner, helping you move things along, as well as uh, I'm quite good at being a creative problem solver. I mean, that's my background with Disney and education is in design thinking and innovation. But where I think it translates the best is my favorite Friends episode where Ross is screaming pivot to shift a couch up the stairs. And I have an ability to quickly see how we can pivot so that if we have spent money in a direction that's not yielding the KPIs or results anticipated, how we can leverage the data gleaned from that and pivot into a way that the impact is going to resonate with the remaining. Is there a retargeting option available? Was the offer hook completely dead in the water? But taking that insight to pivot into a positive and profitable. Yep. Cool. That was three P's in one. <laughs> I love it. Write, write it down. Anything that's a three, a three part framework that starts with the same letter, you should you should write that down. But let's also expand a little bit because that's like, again, and this is important. I wrote it all down because it's all going to come into play. But now let's pull the lens back a little more. What do you bring, not just as a service provider to your clients and customers, but as an actual like owner, like the CEO of your business? So leading a team, all of the back end pieces, like what are some of your strengths there? I would say that as a CEO, I have a really large comprehension of our tech stack. So we have a lot of softwares that we incorporate to help the data-driven decisions that we make, which aren't up cheap. They are not cost-effective unless you're using it at a grand scale, which as an agency owner, I'm able to do. Also, I have expertise. So we have teammates all around the world. We're in nine different time zones. and our clients are in North America and Europe. So we're able to meet those needs. And as the CEO who happens to be fluent in a few languages, I'm able to connect with them in a way that not necessarily other team members can communicate. And then another thing just as a CEO or what I bring to the table, I would think is the are the processes that I've built. We use ClickUp as our project management tool. 
And I've really taken ownership of anything that we've done twice should be automated in the sense that we can have if this, then that unlockable deliverables in our task assignment and project allocation. Okay, awesome. So, I mean, there's a lot there to unpack, but even just some of the phrases that that I'm just going to repeat here, things like project management, teammates in nine different time zones, fluent in a few languages, design thinking, problem solving, ability to quickly, you know, course correct and help others pivot, energy, enthusiasm. And that's just one little subcategory of the self-inventory part, right? Like these are just the strengths. Now, what skills do you have? So these are things like I'm a great public speaker. I'm a great writer. I'm good at math. I can do a spreadsheet like nobody else's business. Like you don't have to list all of them, but just like what are a few that pop to mind at the top of your mind? The first one that comes to mind is that I'm tall. That's not a skill. That's just genetic. Yeah. And I was in competitive sports and usually in soccer, it was just aim the ball at my head because I was the tallest thing. I was like a lightning <laughs> rod <laughs> for goalposts. Um, so skills, I would guess, are um, interpreting what the product offer is. And oh, gosh, this is going to be embarrassing, but I'm going to say it anyways. Internally, the team kind of calls me like, the demo queen, but I correct them and say demo king because why not be the king? Why not? <laughs> In the sense that if you present something to me and you tell me, this is my finished baby, I've worked so hard on this sales page, or this is our sales funnel, I will demolish it and make you aware of quintessential steps that you might have missed. Hey, there's no call to action on this entire page. Hey, what is the journey like? This isn't connecting. And if I'm someone that's not qualified, why am I still in your funnel? things of that nature. So I'm really good at finding the potholes. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, and that falls under things like being able to analyze, uh, being able to edit, you know, being good with copy, uh, like those hard skills a little bit and also some soft skills. So don't neglect the soft skills too. So soft skills are things like I'm a good communicator. I'm patient. I can set and enforce boundaries. I So some of those for anyone listening, right, those might be harder to identify, but spend some time. And again, this is something even Lauren's going to come back to and work through again in a non-time pressured kind of live situation to flesh out. But then also now a third piece of this inventory is your education. So what education do you have? And, and you don't have to recite all of this back to me, but the idea is like, you know, I went to college here. I took these courses. I, you know, went to school here. I had a study abroad experience. Like all of our education, whether it was like the professional or even supplemental or continuing personal education we've gone to, that all goes into the pot of what differentiates you. Does that make sense? So what pops to mind there? Anything special or, or important that you kind of want to highlight? I mean, yes, I do have an MBA. I went to undergrad in LA. Those are cool. My high school, I was an alumni with Michelle Obama and it was a public school in the city of Chicago. But I think actually more of my greater education comes from the school of YouTube and accessing experts, reading their books, purchasing their courses, as well as just the amount of money that I have spent learning and developing my own expertise. Again, $250,000 a month in Facebook ads is no small sum. So when I am able to arrive at a decision, it's not based off of a small test or a theory. It's proven application. Yeah. So we need to write that down, right? Like 
that the investments, the, the ability to say it was proven application, that you have access to a variety of experts and resources and you know which ones to go to and how to go to them. And, you, and you've done all of this. So this all comes into play. And then we also have life experience. Like we can't neglect life experience. Like I always say, I don't know why I always go to this one, but did you ever learn how to like fix a toilet? Did you plan a surprise party that went off really well? Like, did you help coordinate a friend's wedding? Like all of these little things that we don't think are relevant because it doesn't have to do with what we do. They all have elements, skills, and things that can play into what makes us strong in our business and what we do. So it could just be, I had this like travel experience and I had to like uh, navigate this crazy situation that happened and I was able to figure it out. Like sometimes those are things that will just never pop into our head. Yet those are the very things that often set us apart from other people because we don't even realize that we're bringing those abilities or skills into our business. So like, is there anything just randomly that pops up for you there around life experience? Well, this is a weird one. I grew up surrounded by a lot of friends. Um, I was always a third wheel friends of all these different groups. I didn't date anyone in high school, but I was privileged enough to go to 10 proms and I got pretty good at promposals. So I started selling promposal ideas to friends and friends of friends. I mean, I wish Instagram was bigger then because I would have made a lot of money. But that's something that I always thought was like a really weird thing to say, like, no boyfriend in high school, didn't date anyone, yet I still went to 10 proms. Yeah. Yeah. And here's a great example of just how you connected with an audience and people without even having to be like, one of the the audience in a way, right? Like even if you had never gone to a prom, you were helping people with promposals, right? And it's like, I didn't need a boyfriend. I didn't need that. I had an innovative mindset and they appreciated it. And yet I wasn't necessarily in a couplehood or in a whatever. And yet people still really resonated with me. Whereas before you were like, talking about TikTok and talking about Snapchat and how like, because you weren't like that same generation. But I want you to see what I pull out of here from your life experience is the, the ability to connect on a, like an emotional level with different people, the entrepreneurship mindset at a young age, right? That you knew about like monetization and innovation and everything that comes with being a marketer, right? The connection and the the emotional connection and the ability to do that even without being right in that same kind of target audience or target market that you were reaching and helping and supporting. And that's very important because not everybody's able to do that, right? So let's, and then finally, just like the final pieces are just, what are some things you're good at? Like in general, what comes up for you? I'm just, I'm good at basketball. I'm good at leading a team. I'm good at planning a picnic. I'm good at like, what are just a handful of things that come up for you? Um, language learning. I'm really good at uh, picking up a language relatively quickly. Again, soccer, I was just tall. I had long legs, so I was faster than everyone else. I'm good at uh, eating my husband's food. I'm a terrible cook, but I'm really good at eating me the food. Me too, me too. <laughs> I love it. So like even just that, I'm going to start so we can get to the other things, but like where you said language learning, right? Picking up quickly, like when you're starting to think about now filtering that back through what you do, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, you have a, a way with words. You have an ability to connect with words. So if you are working with somebody in a certain industry, right, that has terminology and language and things that they feel like, 
oh, but that's so impossible for people to help us market because they don't understand our, like, that's something that sets you apart. It's like, guys, I've inherited this many languages very quickly. Like, I can inherit your, like, internal corporate communication language, and I can communicate that out in a way that's understandable. Or Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm making that up. But, like, that's something that just feels like, oh, okay, but it's not really related to what I do. But when you really look at it, you're like, if I had to filter this through what I do, how can I make it related? And suddenly you have that. And that's something other people might not have. Does that make sense? Oh, I mean, when you said that, I never would have connected that ability to translate. But a lot of my clients can be in the B2B space or they're in a more intricate level of terminology and translating that business acumen into what the consumer is needing to hear so that they can get what they want is something that has helped me work on campaigns as big as like, all of Canada's car campaigns for a very well-known brand. Yeah, see, perfect. And like, that's a thing to put a star by because not everybody's going to have that. So not only could you take the skill, but you started tying it to an experience in what you've done already that can help relate and connect to certain people, right? So like, I just want everybody to see that sometimes sitting there, just these things we don't think about, we take for granted, if we just brainstorm them separately and then say, how could I tie this into being relevant for my business? How could I tie this for being relevant? Even if you're never gonna talk about it ever again, if you can find the link, we start finding, oh, but nobody else could have that ability. Like nobody else can have this combination of things in this way. Somebody else might be able to pick up a language quickly, but nobody else picked up a language quickly in a way that from a young age, I was able to connect with people, even if I wasn't within their market and also had this experience that allowed me to utilize that and boom, nobody can have that same combination of experiences all at once. So that's kind of like the first piece. So we have the mindset, guys. Then we go into the self-inventory. Now we go into a business inventory because now we've gotten a little bit clear about who we are, like what we're good at, what we, what we bring to the table. But now we have to get clarity around the business, which is that who do you help? What do you help them do? What results do you get them? So this is about what your business is. And if you aren't really clear on this, on who you help and what you do for them and the results that they ultimately get, it's going to be really hard to differentiate yourself from other people because a piece of the puzzle of what makes us different is what we do plus who we do it for and what we believe right? The results are that we get for them and how we get them those results. Like that becomes a formula that not everyone has. I'm a business coach, right? And I can, I can help entrepreneurs or solopreneurs. Cool. There are other business coaches. They help solopreneurs and, and entrepreneurs, but I can help them attract clients and do it while reclaiming their time, attract clients and make more money and do it while reclaiming their time. There could be another business coach that works with solopreneurs that helps them get visible on Instagram and Facebook. There can be somebody else that helps them like really know how to put together a signature talk. Even if there's someone else that says, no, no, I do the same thing you do, Rita. I help attract clients and help people make more money and help people do it while reclaiming their time, like their process and method of how they do that could be different. The pillars that their business rests on are probably different than my pillars and the way that I make somebody look at something to do something. So this is what we're digging into, right? These answers to these questions really start highlighting what makes you different. And I know that people resist this all the time. And that's okay, because I'm going to say it till the cows come home. When you narrow down your market, you set yourself apart. Not only because your audience can see them better, but the value you provide them 
and the results that you produce can be communicated better. So I always go to the example of when I was a dating coach, right? Instead of just helping singles, if I narrow it down to single women, okay, now I can start like resonating with people a little more. But if it's single women in their 40s, okay, now there are a whole bunch of different challenges and experiences in your 40s. Okay, a way of thinking. Okay, great. But If I just make the difference from divorced women in their 40s who are dating for the first time since their divorce versus 40-year-old women who have never been married, right, they're going to have totally different ways of what they think their problems are, thinking about dating, talking about dating, what their challenges are. You know, 40-year-old never married has used every dating app that's come and gone as they've gone through their dating history where it's like, divorced and in their 40s, right? And dating for the first time, they're always like, well, I never had to do this when I was single. Like, what is, I don't know how to write an online dating profile. I don't, so if I was just trying to reach both of them, I'd be so generic. I would not make either one totally excited to work with me, nor could I talk about the urgent problems that they'll see themselves specifically in, meaning everybody will go, oh, Rita, what you do sounds really nice, but like, that, you know, when I'm ready, I'll come to you as opposed to like me saying, does online dating overwhelm you? Do you not know how to write a dating profile? Like, are you thinking I've never had to do this before? Why do I have to start doing it now? Like that 40 year old never married isn't going to resonate with me. But that 40 year old divorced woman is going to resonate with me and she'll be attracted to me. Right. So it just really helps you start seeing what you can talk about and how you can talk about it. So Lauren, I would love for you, because you said at the beginning, I'm kind of like all over the place with this. Like when we were talking, you're like, I really like, like, I like to help everybody, which everybody loves to help everybody. And of course, we can help. Many of us can. We can help all kinds of businesses, do all kinds of things in all kinds of ways. But it doesn't mean we can, and I'm sure you would tell your same clients this, right? Like this is the cobbler in the shoes situation again, right? Which is, um, yeah, but, you know... I would tell my own clients that they can't market effectively to everybody. You probably help them really connect with who they're trying to market to, right? So what comes up for you there? Who is your target market? How would you answer that? Who do you help? I would say the, I've been trying to nail this down um, further and further. I would think that my target market is an individual or a small business with less than five team members, like less than five employees, they may have contractors and stuff like that, that are making at least six figures a year and really looking to hit that seven or multi seven figure mark. So if they're 800,000, 600,000 a year and really want to close the gap and hit the one $1 million a year in their e-commerce or lead generation, lead generation based businesses, those are the ones that I can help the most. Um, and I say that because I've worked with 10 figure, 11 figure brands, and we've been able to achieve the result that they're looking for. But often they're looking for individual one off services. Whereas as a team, going back to that being the bigger differentiator, as a combined digital marketing done for you arm of someone else's company, we can look at all things aggregated. So the email, the SMS chatbots, what does your website conversion funnels look like? What is the conversion rate optimization on your pages? All those things cohesively. So the small business owner and their employees focus on things like customer service, new product development, capital resource management, things of that nature. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you actually really do have a, a pretty solid target market in that it's an e-commerce based business or it's a it's a business that uh, really relies heavily on generating you know new leads frequently and repeatedly. 
Um, you know, they're definitely like I and people always ask me, can you add revenue as an indicator of a target market? Yes, it's a demographic, right? You're I I want to really quickly, not for you, Lauren, because I know you know, but for the audience, like just differentiate between a target market and a niche. A target market is who, but your niche is like the results that you're really helping them get. So a lot of people are like, oh, my niche are like 40-year-old women. No, no, that's your target market. Like, so target market is based on demographics. So it can be a, a certain revenue level of business, a certain size, a certain um, you know, type of industry, a certain business. The more that you know, like, I mean, even e-commerce is large, right? So if you really start going, but we really love these kinds of e-commerce businesses, or we love to work with people who love generating leads in these places, or who love generating leads for this purpose or in this way, you know, the more that you can really talk to that and speak to that, that's going to help you stand out even more. And people are like, but I can still help all these others. And and I don't want to only like, only, you know, like, what if people don't hire me and I lose money and all of this stuff? I will tell you, and I will, again, I will stress this till the day that I wrap it, wrap up my shop. Like when you become a specialist to a certain kind of person, then everybody wants you. When you become the go-to specialist, I always use the the example of a dentist that I worked with. When you become that go-to dentist who helps whiten and brighten smiles of brides to be for their big day, and like you get their teeth looking great, and they're everyone's happy and smiling, people are going to come to you and say, "Oh, I heard about you. Do you also do children's dental work? Do you do root canals? Do you do right?" So like people will come to you. So who would your favorite kind of client be? I would say so when you were talking about that, it made me think of three different verticals, which still might be too many. But food and beverage is something we do so much of like I sell so much food and grocery and drinks online. Like I sell meat, I sell coffee mixers, I sell gushers, I sell so much food and beverage. It's crazy. And I love it. And then the other two industries would be beauty and then hospitality, just because I have that Disney background. I come from a background of understanding timeshare and of hospitality inventory. I mean, Walt Disney World is the largest single site employer with 27 different resorts and all these different hotel offerings. So that gets me excited because it takes me back to the roots of what brought me to Orlando, Florida after graduating from California. But Definitely like food and beverage and then beauty and beauty because I've gotten to make some really cool bots where you try to understand what is the individual's like, what are their goals and benefits of buying beauty products? Because what are they trying to achieve with their hair care regimen? What are they trying to achieve with their new skincare products? Things of that nature and being able to do those quizzes and help qualify people to which products and which ingredients are best for them. Even if you think about the food stuff, is this vegan? Is this clean? Is this you know, USDA certified things of that nature. No, I like I like it. And I mean, I, you know, there's a lot to be said for really going all in on one and making like yourself the go to specialist for that industry, for that field, because everything has its own nuance in marketing anyway. Right. So like what you do for food and beverage is going to be slightly different than the way that you would do it for hospitality, which is slightly. So the more that you really know them and you can say, look, this is all we do, right? Like if you're like, we know the food and beverage industry inside and out, nobody knows it like us. This is all we do. The more you're going to be a specialist and the more they're going to want to seek you out, right? Because you're not a general practitioner anymore. However, you can be a specialist to three different 
people, you just don't try to market to all of them in the same way, in the same place, in the same space, right? So the idea is when you're speaking to the food and beverage, like you really want to to hone in on that expertise that you have. What, what I love is that at the beginning, you said you love eating your husband's cooking and you love food, right? And it's like, that's, again, that's a piece that ties in that can differentiate you, right? When you start talking about your culinary experiences and maybe you've traveled the world and you've had all of these different foods and you know the different cultures of like the different people and the different ways that different languages like talk about food and different, like that's all a value add that you bring to that industry, right? So obviously the more you become an expert, it's like I I was talking to a client about it today. Like when I'm sick and I go to a general practitioner they're eventually going to figure out what's wrong with me. And then they're going to refer me to a specialist that only deals with that specific problem. And that's who I'm going to want because I want somebody that knows if I have a knee issue, I want somebody who works on knees and that's all they work on. And they know everything about knees because if they're going to help me with my knee and do surgery on my knee and like help my knee feel better, I want somebody who only knows knees and that's all they live and breathe and eat are knees, right? I'm not going to go to like somebody who's like, yeah, we kind of do some stuff with knees, but we also like do this and we also do that. It's like, I want to go to whatever doctor like specializes in that particular ailment and I'm going to pay them a lot more money than I would somebody who's maybe like, I don't know, like we kind of know what's wrong with your knee. We're going to take a stab at it. We're going to see as a, you know, and so it's just thinking about yourself in that way. So for each of these three, really step into what makes you, if that was your only market, right? How would you speak to them as like, we are the go-to expert here. And obviously, you know, when it comes to this too, if you really want to learn an industry, if you really, like if I was a business coach for lawyers, that could be a very good industry for helping solo attorneys start their own law practice. Now, you guys have heard me say in many episodes, like, I don't want to do that because I don't want to be surrounded by lawyers all day and talking to lawyers all day. There's a reason I left that field. But their regulations, their rules, their how they can run their business and what they can do, it's governed by a strict code of ethics. They have different restrictions. So the more that I know them, the more I'm going to be able to help them and the more they're going to hire me as opposed to someone else that might know a little bit about things that could help them, but not everything that could help them, right? So just kind of keep that in mind, but you start seeing how this differentiates you too and how we tie it into some of this other stuff we've already started talking about, like the hospitality industry. You started highlighting like all of your experience here and you're working and you're whatever. It's like that sets you apart, the ties. Now, another challenge I would have for you, Lauren, and you, you probably don't know it now, but I I want you to spend some time on it is if you had to find a common through line or common threads between these three industries, are there any common threads that you can find in terms of like, I mean, one thing I wrote was visual. They're kind of all visual industries a little bit. Now, I'm not saying that that has anything to do with with your answer or thing, but it's just a commonality. I see like online, food, beverage, beauty, hospitality, travel, they're all very visual in terms of like whether they're painting a picture in your mind or they're paint, they're using actual photo driven kind of marketing, I think, than other than a business coach, right? Like, what am I going to do? I can only take so many photos of coffee cups and, you know, <laughs> me talk, talking to people versus like food and travel and beauty, right? Very uh, visual uh, things. So mm. just think about some other commonalities. So then the idea is for these industries that you love, let's focus on these. Like, how do you help them? So I have the way I want you to answer this, but I want you to just say, when I ask you, how do you help them? What do you say? 
I help their bottom line. I help their profitability and sales. I help move product that's expiring. So if there was a common thread, I would say that it's time sensitive because of room. If there's no head in the bed, it's lost commission or it's a lost sale or co- opportunity cost. And then beauty and food and beverage products all have expiration dates and they're usually within two or three years. So if you don't move it, there's a loss of cost of goods. Unlike where I think of other areas of like infopreneurship, if you were a business coach and you were selling an hour, the opportunity cost doesn't have as much of a fixed cost as some of these other bigger investments. But that's, I think what I do for them is I just move their inventory. Okay. And what are the challenges that they are experiencing that are keeping them from moving the inventory? COVID was a big thing. Um, for the consumer product goods in the beauty and food and beverage, there just, there wasn't product available. There's a huge plastic bottle shortage. Uh, now we're seeing the later effects of inflation on the cost of goods. So for example, some of the most popular American beverage brands that you can think of couldn't get aluminum for six months. Now that aluminum is available because other countries have opened up their manufacturers the cost has gone up significantly, as well as shipping those goods if they come from overseas. Um, The thing with hospitality, again, with COVID is just people weren't traveling. So it was trying to get individuals excited at getting COVID level pricing and banking and locking it in for future now revenge travel <laughs> yeah. and revenge vacationing. Yeah. No, and, and for everyone, like the reason I'm asking this too is sometimes we think about what we do as the end result that we're getting our clients. And here's the difference, right? Like that what we do, like she's like, I help them move product. Cool. But that's not the end for the clients. It's more sales, more revenue, right? Like it's more sales and more revenue. And maybe there's like uh, more efficiency internally, which produces even more. Everything with a business, guys, comes back to more money, right? Like that's what a business ultimately wants. Those are the results that they want. Either, you know, maybe there's more. It's not just money. But everything ties to if it's not profitable, if it's not making the business money, or if it's eating too much into the profitability of a business, that's going to be a problem, right? So the way that you help get them more sales and more revenues by helping them move product, helping them. And then how do I do that? Well, by connecting with their right audience, by doing this thing, by doing it. So like reverse engineering sometimes can can help. But I just stress that to say, sometimes what we, we will say what we do, like, I, you know, I help clients come up with a business strategy. I help clients, uh, you know, attract more clients. And it's like, that's not what they ultimately want. They don't care about that. What they want is more time with their family, more money to support the life that they want. They want to enjoy their days, enjoy what they do, right? Like, the way that I do that is going to be different than the way somebody else does that, But even if we're leading people to the same results. So sometimes we feel like we're generic because, you know, we either focus on, well, you help people make more sales and I help people make more sales. But we don't look at the how do we do that. The how we do that is going to be different. Sometimes we focus on the how being the end and then we don't even see how we tie into a bigger picture that could be different. Like I can help you do X so that you get more sales, but someone else could help you do the exact same thing, but for a different reason so that you leave a legacy or so you want it. So our focus is different. So it's really clear that you really start understanding and reverse engineering the results that they get are X. And here's how we help them get to those results. Does that make a, does that, I hope everybody out there, does that make sense? And Lauren, for you, 
Does that make sense? And how you can maybe find some difference between you and what you were saying other agencies do. Even if you're leading somebody from struggling to get sales to sales, the way you're doing it sounds different than other agencies may do it. It does make sense. And there's actually, I was trying to find the sheet. I have a values pyramid and it came from Harvard Business Review where it's almost like the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but specifically at values. And I use that for writing hooks to get my products sold on Facebook. And when you were saying this, I was like, oh, I've never looked at my own values. Never looked at it for you. So there's your home. There's an assignment. You write that down. You need to look at that for you because that's a missing piece in how you're going to communicate your difference, right? Because somebody else will have a different thing that pops out to them for how they would communicate that difference. So um, so that's a piece to think of there too. Now, guys, we're going to go into like the final few steps of, of this piece, right? So the next step is to, to know your story. Now, I'm not going to have Lauren tell me her whole story here. So I'm just going to state some pieces and, and then Lauren can work on this. But the idea is you have to know your entire life trajectory, which is not just why are you doing what you do? Which a lot of people say, well, I'm doing it for freedom, for my children, for, you know, the impact I make. Cool. But like, what got you here? Which is a little bit of what Lauren's already been talking about. Why well, I had this working experience and I had this. So once you start piecing out your timeline, right? Like, well, I had this, but then this hiccup happened. And so I rebounded to here and then I was here and then we had a restructure and we got here. All of those pieces all of those moments, right? And it doesn't have to be messy, but all of those moments that you were faced with a challenge and you found a solution or you just had a positive experience and you learned how to replicate it, like all of these pieces of whatever got you to where you are, you need to really connect with it because at the end of the day, nobody is buying your product or your service. They're buying you, right? So your story has to be woven in in some way to the message and the marketing. Even big brands have stories for their big brands that elicit emotions in their target market, which cause people to buy. So you are what's different about your business. And people have to know you because everything is human to human. And so people need to connect with stories. So you kind of need to know, well, what's the story? And even if you're a brand, a big brand, there are people behind the brand. So the stories that we're going to get to, that becomes important. So just, I don't know if they're, if they're pieces of your story, how you got to where you are. But if you had to just state a few for bullet pointing out to come back to and revisit, pops up for you? Like what could, you know, what got you here that may or may not be relevant when we start weaving together your whole differentiator or your whole, you know, all these little pieces of an origin story and everything that make you you? I mean, I almost want to go back to when I was seven and you had this as a clubhouse conversation. And I've been thinking about this nonstop when as a seven-year-old, my father said, if I wanted to buy ice cream for the neighborhood kids, I could, I had two hands and I could make my own money. And so I started drawing pictures and going door to door, selling pictures for five cents and some that took me a little longer. I charged 25 cents. And by the third door, a woman gave me 20 bucks and bought the whole portfolio. I thought I made it. <laughs> well, you did, right? You did. And so a story like that, the story about high school and the promposals, right? You've got your um your Disney experience and you were talking about like, you know, you didn't just learn whatever language. I'm sure there was a reason you wanted to learn a language and there's a story there. Like our stories 
help make us different. Our stories will be what connects because it's why our business, and we're going to talk about this when we end with the origin story, but it's a lot of why this business, why did this business come to be? Not just why are you an entrepreneur, but why this particular business, right? Why is what you do important? Why is like how you do it important? And that comes from like everything in the past that got us to where you are to say, this is an important business, right? And it could be because I had the skills and I saw people needed it and I know how to do it and I know how to do it better and faster and quicker. Or like, because this has been embedded in me since I was a kid connecting with people and it comes inherently and like, I can bring this to the table. So whatever is here, I just want you to brainstorm on it some more, Lauren, and we can talk about it offline, but like, you need to know all of the pieces of your different stories that led you here. So what were these, like my speaking coach, uh, Mike Ganino, calls these defining moments. And defining moments don't have to be huge. They're just moments that you either overcame a challenge or you were faced with something and you had to make a decision or, or you had some kind of experience that you remember, right? So the more you can think of these defining moments, the more you're gonna have to to pull from in terms of what differentiates you. But now we get to like the fun step for me, which is like the piece of your point of view, right? I always say in order to resonate with people, you have to alienate people. And I'm not talking about like in your life in general. I'm talking about in your industry, in your business, right? Having a point of view in your industry is vital. And we're often really scared to share it because we feel like it could alienate people from hiring us. But that's kind of what you want to do. You want so many people to say, I don't want to work with you because that means there are other people who are like, I can't imagine anybody else that I want to work with but you because you can't serve every single person. You want to call in the right people. So I always give an example of a client I had who's a health coach, right? She believes and she will fight you on this. I mean, she will fight you that unless you're eating 80% of the foods you're eating are alkaline-based, you're not eating healthily. Like I remember drinking tap water and she's like, you're not really drinking water. It doesn't have alkaline in it. You're actually getting zero benefits from that water. And like, that is her belief. Now, does everybody believe that? Not at all, right? But she calls in the right people because she holds on to that. Or maybe you're a financial or wealth advisor and you believe that people are broke because they want to be broke, right? Now, there's a difference in the statement between poor and broke, but like, People are broke because they want to be, not because they have to be. That's going to alienate a lot of people, but it's also going to resonate with a lot of people. Or you might be a dating coach who believes no one can be successful in finding love unless you take personal responsibility for where you are in your love life. You caused every single thing that happened and you're exactly where you are and it has nothing to do with anybody else. Now that's going to piss off half the room, I know from personal experience, but the other half is going to be like, yes, I have to own this. I have to take personal responsibility, right? When we try to resonate with everyone, we're going to resonate with no one. So Lauren, for you in your industry of digital marketing, in your industry of what you're doing for these types of clients, what points of view, what opinions, what lines in the sand? Like, And a good question is like, what pisses you off about what other digital marketers are doing for your clients? Where are you like, this is wrong. Like you shouldn't tell people to do this. Or like, you're messing things up for people because of this. Like, what are some of your points of view around this? Oh, man, I had this conversation with my press coach, Kaylee, and I was telling her how I hate that everyone's talking about Instagram reels. Oh, my gosh, I think it's the worst organic recommendation, period. 
We've been testing it for six months. The amount of reach and the amount of effort it takes for someone to get out of that Instagram reel when they're not camera comfortable, when they don't feel confident on camera. It drives me nuts when I hear those in the social media space talking and promoting about Instagram reels when it doesn't fit so many individuals. And how much are you talking about that in your own marketing uh, for your own business? Less than zero. Yeah, see, the more you start sharing things like that, the more you're going to call the right clients in. Like, thank God a marketer that's not going to try to make us do reels. Like, we don't want that. And like, we trust her and we believe her, right? Whereas people who really want to do reels are going to be like, F Lauren, we want we want to do reels. Cool. I'm not the right fit for you, but everybody. So I want you to think of more things about your, like, I believe that it's like, unless you do X, you are not doing Y or, you know, if you're doing Y, then you're not doing X or, you know, if you are this way, then these things will happen. Like these are the lines in the sand, the things you're that you're just saying, you might even be predicting or like, and this is another way guys to think about the future. I believe that in five years, here's what's going to happen, right? I remember that when COVID happened, I made some really bold predictions and I have to go back and revisit them, but I think I was actually pretty dead on about like, here's what I think is going to happen to business even after COVID. Here's how I think business is going to change. And here's what I think is really important, right? Like those were very hard lines in the sand and stances that I I took. When I talk about sales, right? I have a very different way of talking about sales than other people. I have opinions about what I think is good, bad, right, wrong, moral, not moral, helpful, not helpful. Like these are all the things you have to share over and over again, because that is a piece of your differentiator. Does that Hmm. make sense? Yeah. I mean, when you were saying this, I just kept thinking about how um, going back to the reels, I just keep shouting on individuals like you need to be Facebook shop ready. Even if you're you have a digital product you're selling, they're not available on Facebook and Instagram shops now, but they have committed. If you pay attention to F8 or if you read any of like what's coming out of Facebook, they're getting ready to make digital downloads available on Facebook shops before Black Friday this year. Like that's something they're really pushing for. So shops is where people should start investigating their time and their energy. Or if individuals aren't willing or brands aren't willing to put 30% of their marketing budget into content to reach their followed audience, to reach their warm audience, then they're just going to be continuing to pay way higher costs for new customer acquisition and they're abandoning the evangelist loyalty channel. And then the third one that makes me think about is if you're not willing to spend up to two times your revenue to acquire a new customer, you're never going to understand what your true KPIs are and your costs. And so it's an expensive thing I ask individuals. So if you sell a life coaching package for $6,000 and your cost of goods on that is $1,000, you make $5,000. If you're not willing to spend up to $10,000 to acquire that first customer, that first testimonial, then I'm not the person for you because I'm going to be testing stuff because I optimize down from profitability versus going from the start of what your immediate ROAS is. Yeah, see, and people can be very scared to share these kinds of points because it's like, but then other people aren't going to want to talk to me or hire me. And it's like, yeah, but you also don't want to be working with these other 
people. And that all is like fear and scarcity based, which goes back to the mindset of there won't be enough work. There won't be enough people to pay for me. I won't make money. I won't like. And of course, your thoughts become your reality. And so what what Mm -hmm. will happen is you get caught in a loop you can't break out of because of the thoughts. People aren't hiring you. People are. And so then you're only going to feel like, but see, I really can't share these points of view now because now I really need to appeal to a wider audience. And it's like, no, I really need to be an expert. And an expert has points of view. A, A thought leader makes hypothesis about what the industry, where the industry is headed and helps people like get in the position of innovator, leader, whatever in this world. Like, and it's a matter of, is that where I'm going? You don't, not everybody has to be a thought leader, but you do have to have points of view. A health coach who helps people get healthy, right? People are gonna be like, okay, but if you're like alkaline-based foods or you're not healthy, now you're gonna be attracting people who are like, that's intriguing, that's interesting. I know that the benefits of alkaline, I've read it, like, I'm intrigued to learn more. And you're going to rule out the people who are like, no, I don't want to do that, right? Who won't be good clients for you anyway, because you need to share these points of view. I know that a couple of my friends like share a lot around sales and like that certain hard sales tactics are terrible and awful and it's sabotage. And like other people won't say that, you know? So really knowing these and sharing them are going to be important. So you already have some good ones. So I would dig into those more and start saying, how can I infuse these? in our marketing and messaging? And how do these points of view dictate how we do what we do and who we do it for? So keep tying it to all of the other pieces we've talked about before, right? Yeah. And the final piece of this, of kind of the differentiation formula, is we have to make it about your audience, right? This is why we need to know who your audience is, because what makes them, what makes you different is them, right? Your potential clients and customers. And so we have to make sure that we're offering creative service at all points with our market. And this is like lifting the burdens for our audience, for potential clients and connecting with them emotionally. So like when they navigate your website, how are you making it how are you making it easier for them to navigate your marketing, navigate your website, make decisions, get in contact with you, ask questions, all of these pieces. How are you lifting burdens at every point of view from awareness through relationship nurturing to the ability to purchase to making it easier to be your brand advocates, right? To the actual receiving of the services. Like, how are you making all of this easy for them? And at every stage, how are you connecting emotionally with them? And the reason this is part of the differentiation formula is your answers to this will be different than other people's answers to this. When Mm -hmm. you're like, well, here's what I think makes it easier for them to make a decision, or here's what I think makes it easier for them to actually connect with us emotionally, or here's what I think makes it easier for them to find us, or here, all of your answers to that will be different because your answers to these questions are filtered through everything we talked about, your education, your experience what you think is good or bad, what you think is right or wrong, all of your strengths, your skills, everything we've talked about will dictate what you believe makes it easier for them, what you believe connects emotionally with them, your who, your what, your how, all of this will dictate what your answers to this final step is so no one can have these same answers because no one will have that same combination of strengths, skills, education, life experience, who you're helping, what you're helping them get, like how you're helping them get there, your story and how you got to where you are and your points of view. And no one will have that, but all of that will dictate these, right? So like, uh, I don't know if anything pops up for you here, Lauren, but like, does anything come up for you with like, 
when you're thinking about your your buckets, you had like three buckets of your target market, what you know makes it easier for them to make a decision or what you know makes it easier for them to connect with you emotionally at these different stages. Does anything come up for you there? So the component that comes to mind of what makes it easier for them to navigate into a purchase decision would just be testimonials and and our case studies. One of our earliest clients, they were doing about 400000 a year. And within 16 months, we pushed them into a $3.2 million a year company that they sold relatively quickly um, in the food and beverage space. Um, we have a host of other testimonials. Like last year, we made one client in the beauty space a million dollars in 90 days. Things of that nature help our prospective clients and customers see their potential transformation and achieving those similar results. Um, but is that something I talk about? No, I have them. If someone asks me like, oh yeah, here's a case study. I mean, it's not super polished and not accessible on the website, but I have it because you've heard about it. Here you go. Sharing case studies, sharing testimonials, like maybe interviewing clients, like all of that is the stuff that makes it easier for them in that relationship nurturing stage to know you like you trust you. That's what's happening in that in that consideration stage is they're getting a couple of things, right? So when we look at the first three phases of the customer cycle, they have to become aware that your business exists. Then they have to know your business, like your business, trust your business, know that it's going to be a good experience to work with your business, not just that they'll get the results that they want, but that they can trust to give you money and that it's going to be a fun, enjoyable, good working experience. So it's like, what's all the information I need to be providing for them to have that know, like, and trust and to know it's going to be a good experience, right? So case studies, testimonials, interviews, some interaction with you, something like that, or your team, maybe even getting to know who your team is and having interaction with them, right? Like that's all a piece of like, okay, that'll make it easier in the nurture stage. Now, after they have all of this, it's like, well, what makes it easier for them to actually hire us? What makes it easy for them? So that's everything from your invoicing system to your contracts to your, like, is it easy to click and digitally sign and pay an invoice? Or are you putting obstacles up to how they have to give you the money, right? Like, I know some people do that. Um, and back at the first stage, the awareness stage, are you making it easy for people to become aware that you exist, right? Like, are you making that easy and simple for them to find you? That can be everything from your company name to like how and where you're advertising and where you're showing up and how you then get them and lead them to all of that information that they need. Are you scattering it in too many places? Is it like, I become aware of you on Clubhouse, but then I have to go searching for Yelp reviews, which leads me to like a Facebook page that gives me like, that's not easy as opposed to like, if your call to action, that's always get on our list, get on our list. I mean, in a fancier way than that, get on our list. And then you're putting all of that information into what I'm getting from being on your list. You're making that a lot easier for me. Does that make sense? So your answer on how you answer, this is how we want to make it easier for people to find us. And then this is what we're giving them to make it easy for them to trust us. And then this is what we're doing to make it easy for them to pay us. And then this is what we're doing to make it easy for them to actually use our services and our products, right? And this is what we're doing to make it easy for them to then share and sing our praises out to the world. No one else is going to have that same combination. Does that make sense? Totally. Okay, cool. And then the things about connecting emotionally will be dependent on those challenges, those problems, those issues, depending on who the market. So again, it's like that from the the simple uh, exercise I gave around like the dating, right? Like, 
a 40-year-old woman divorced and dating for the first time, what connects with her emotionally? You're overwhelmed. You don't know how to navigate online dating. You're not wanting to make the same mistake again, right? Like you want to like take your time and meet the right person. You want to learn why you attract who you attract and why you're attracted to what you attract. And, you know, all of this stuff versus like the 40-year-old never married who is like, you don't want to have to settle. You've been using all the dating. You're not sure why it's working. Where are the good guys? You just want to know, like, where do you go to meet good people? Like, this is, you want to have a family. You want to do it now. Like, what will connect with them emotionally is very different. So, but what you think connects with them emotionally will be different than what somebody else thinks connects with them emotionally, too. Yeah. So, what are some things that come up for you there in terms of when you think, those results, they want more sales, more revenue, right? And you're helping them move product faster and you're helping them like, what would connect with them emotionally as in terms of like, what are these urgent in their face problems? So it's like, I don't know how to write an online dating profile. Where do you go to meet good guys? Like, why am I attracting this same kind of guy over and over? Those are the urgent mm -hmm. in their face problems. So like, what are the urgent in their face problems for some of your clients? Some of the first things that come to mind for the urgent in the face problems of our clients are maybe they're paying for a lot of different apps or software and they just don't know how they talk to each other. They've heard Google search console is important. They understand that analytics and UTM parameters aren't necessary. They have to use Facebook business suite and Facebook business manager to execute their various ads. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna pause you for one second. So because they're scattered, because they don't know how to use all these apps, and because they don't know how to make them talk to each other, what is the urgent in their face problem that they're experiencing? They're not tossing and turning at night going, if I could just learn my Google whatever, whatever, and like make these apps talk together, then everything will be perfect. They're like, why can't, what? Why isn't this happening? Or why can't we get more clients? Or why are we not making more sales? Or why is nobody engaging on our Instagram account or like what are those more like the problems that are literally keeping them up at night right because the thing you do is help them learn how to take these apps and make them talk to each other or the right things to look at for or the right strategy to employ to get to the results they want right but what are those because they don't know how to do this what are those daily challenges they're facing I think they're just doing duplicate work and not seeing any results as promised by all the software they're paying for. I love that. So the idea is like, you're actually losing money because you're doing duplicate work. You're spending time, like you're paying yourself to do the same task over and over again, right? Like, would you pay someone to do like, so see there is like, you're losing money. You're losing, not only are you not making money, but you're actually losing money because now you're paying, you know, three, four times for somebody to do the same thing over and over. If that was a person, you wouldn't do that. You would fire that person because they didn't get it mm. right. Or you would find an efficiency or you would find out, right? Like I'm, I'm playing with the language, but yeah. those things are going to be important. So I want you to think if they were to go to Google at three o'clock in the morning to look for an article to solve their problem, what words would they put in the Google search bar, right? It's like, it, it's like, it's usually more emotionally based and less logistic and, and rational based. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Because um, the thing that comes to my mind is they're thinking of like, how do I get out of this company and just sell it? Because none of what I'm doing is working. Well, because I'm not working. So there's something they're looking for. Like, why isn't it working? Why is my product okay. not moving? I mean, you said that before, you know, why is my product not moving? Like, what am I going to do with all of this product that I'm not selling? Like, how can I sell this product quickly? Like that, those are all things like, how can we make money when the cost of packaging is so high? Like, these are the things that they're going to go and mm. search for, right? Like, 
can we even make a profit with the cost of like plastic right now? Or like, what do we do if we can't get aluminum? How are we going to sell and make money? Like, these are the things they're doing. You know the solutions to those problems. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, mm-hmm. like, how, we can help you make money. We can help you make a profit. We can help you because we're going to help you reach more people and reach the right people and make sales quicker and move this product faster and like, blah, blah, blah. Like, we can help you be more efficient doing it. We can help you whatever. But like, you have to really, if you're not connecting with what they think are the urgent problems every day that are right in their face, right? Then it's like when I was back to the dating, when I was marketing, find fulfilling love, find your life partner, find, that's what everybody wanted. But they felt like it was so far away from them that I wasn't the right one to hire. But the minute I said, here's how you get a second date, or let me help you write an online dating profile. The reason they wanted a second date, the reason they wanted to write a good online dating profile was to find fulfilling love. But they felt that fulfilling love was so far away that it wasn't the right time to hire me, right? They needed to hire somebody to help with the urgent in their face problem. So the more mm-hmm. you can see that for your company, it could be internal with their team. It could be for for a dental office. Uh, it could be that offers like a dental benefit to companies and employees, which one of my clients did. Nobody, it was a free thing that companies could sign on for. No company was signing on. And they're like, I don't get it. Like we're offering a free, like re- like a really great package that costs them nothing to offer their employees to come use our dental services. Why won't they do it? And I'm like, well, ask them. And so they asked all the human resource managers and they said, well, because it's extra work for us, right? Now we're gonna have to answer more questions about another benefit and like blah, blah, blah. And they hadn't thought of that. So it's like, for you, it's kind of like, what are the things that are going on in the heads of the people that they feel like are their urgent problem that maybe you can help solve? Are you? Does your boss always breathe down your neck because they're like, why aren't you getting results? Or do you know what I mean? Like whoever that decision maker would be that would decide might be different overall than the business. And you might want to speak to some of those problems too. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So all of this together, right? Like starts becoming... The combination of your differentiation. And within there lies these three final pieces we're going to talk about, which is your core message. We'll talk about that real briefly. Your voice. And then your origin story, which was really kind of stemming from the story part we talked about. But the core message is kind of like a combination of your point of view, your values, right? Like my core message is you can have a successful business of what you do helps other people. Like if what you do solves a problem for other people, your business will be successful. But your business can only be sustainable if it solves problems in your life, if it helps your life. So if your business improves other people's lives, cool, you've got a successful business. But it's only going to sustain if it also improves your own life, right? Like that's a point of view that I have. So for you, it would be like if you had that message, if you had that core message that permeates through everything, right? What do you keep coming back to? So when you're working through your points of view, when you're working through your story, when you're working through your how you work with clients, buried in there will be your core message, right? And that's something I really want you to to spend some time getting clear on, but I'm not sure if anything even pops up for you right now. It might be, and a good place to start is if you only had one minute to talk on a mic, or if you could have everybody swallow a pill And they were all going to think whatever thought you implanted in their head. You can give them one thought. They swallow a pill, you state one thought, and they walk around with that thought for the rest of their life. And they all, the whole world agrees with this thought now. What would that thought 
be. Does anything come up for you there? In the e-commerce space, I would just say that if your product page where someone makes a transaction isn't mobile friendly and doesn't have the benefits that speak to what it's like to own this product, you're never going to sell it. Yeah. So somewhere in there, right? Like we want to make it not super specific for just mobile friendly because that's not like the core message, but it's like if it's not in like, I think there's something uh, and I'm not saying this is it, but this is just an example of how to play around with it, which is like. If you're not in front of where people already are, you're not going to reach your people. If you're not talking about the things that they want to talk about, if you're not in the places they're already looking, you're not going to make sales, right? Like if you're trying to divert their attention somewhere else or talk about something they're not interested in, right? Which is why like, why is it important that it's mobile friendly? Well, because everybody's freaking attention is on their cell phone, right? So like you're trying to get them to look over here and they're looking there. Like you need to be where they're looking. That's where that that came up from, right? Like, mm-hmm. if you can play around with the why do I believe those things, I think within there is your core message somewhere. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, cool. And then the voice is the personality of your business. So that's like, is it quirky? Is it professional? Is it friendly? Is it funny? Is it like, but your voice then needs to come across in the colors and in the the words you pick and in the, in the way that you're communicating. So do you know what the voice of your company is? Lately, it's becoming more and more unfiltered. Um, and it's layered with a bit of comedy that maybe I think is funny, not necessarily everyone else does. So a bit of the dad joke kind of. Yeah. Era, like the fadum punch. Yeah. I love that. But it's like unfiltered, not taking itself too seriously, right? Like, mm. but something so I would play around with that and say, how once you have your core message and once you kind of know this origin story and differentiate it from all of these, like, how can I communicate that in a way where if I took away my company name, if I took away our logo, if I took away our face, either A, people would go, that's definitely Lauren. Oh my, that's such a Lauren thing to say. Or even if they still don't know if they read it and they're like, who would have said that? Like, who's what company is this? Or what, when they find out it's you, they wouldn't be surprised. They wouldn't be like, oh, really? Wow, I didn't. Like, if I had something super stuffy and professional, like your ROI needs to be measured by your, that's not me. People would be like, Rita, really talk like that? Like, wow, that's surprise. I wouldn't have known that that was Rita, right? Like, we don't want them to be surprised. We want them to go, well, of course, now that I know that that's Rita, of course that's Rita. Of course that's the way she talked. Mm. But like, for your company, think about that too. And then the final piece is the origin story. So the origin story is that concept of why did your business come to be, right? Why did your business come to be? So Warby Parker has a great origin story. Uh, They were a bunch of college kids who wore glasses, who did adventure sports. And they broke their glasses and they were like, oh my God, it costs so much money to replace glasses. There has to be a more affordable way to get glasses than the hundreds and hundreds and maybe even thousands of dollars, especially when you do adventure sports and you break them frequently. And they they said, this is a problem that we're having and we want to solve it. And they came up with Warby Parker, which offers glasses at a much lower rate, at a at a, fre- a frequency level for people in, a re- in real life. So like when you're thinking about your origin story, not why are you an entrepreneur, but why did this specific business come to be? What comes up for you there? Um, I remember when I was 16 and Facebook was only for college kids and uh, accessibility just is something that's always resonated with me. My father had one leg after serving in Vietnam. So when you didn't have access to something or if someone was intentionally excluded, like I was super bullied growing up, that 
just resonated hard with me. And Facebook as an adult was something that was global and accessible and the fastest growing social media platform worldwide. So individuals in India, individuals in Colombia, individuals in the United States or down the street could all have access to it. And the idea of how affordable it was to get a cost per lead compared to other marketing channels, like it blew my mind what Facebook was leveraging in terms of data that what started was like, this is the most cost effective way to grow a list and to cast your net wide enough and get in front of eyeballs that you may not have thought before on a way that's just super inclusive. Yeah, I love this. So I love I wrote down the words accessibility, inclusivity, global growth of community, growth of audience, wide, right, wide expansion. And all of that starts tying into pieces of your story in terms of like, all the languages and all of the people you've been able to connect with and like all of these things all tie together. So that would be something to be thinking about too. Like this business came to be because of this moment where I had this thought and this thing happened and I realized this importance and I want to solve this problem for people and give this to all of these people. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, I just keep thinking about a lot of our clients are much older they're well in their 50s, 60s, and sometimes 70s, and the platform can be overwhelming, but their audience is still there. And an individual who may not have the computer tech skills to do it, they can still access the cost effectiveness of Facebook. Yeah. And I would, and just to kind of even summarize, just to give you some questions to be thinking mm. about and marinating on there are what's the problem that you set out to solve? What inspired you to start a company to solve that problem? Then we go back to some of the previous, like, how do you solve it? What mm -hmm. is your approach to solving it? Right? Like, that is your origin story. And that's going to be completely different than somebody else. Nobody else can have that. So, like, your origin story that also highlights within that origin story your core message that's worded in your voice. That becomes like your main differentiator. And then in everything you do, you need to rem remember, am I highlighting a lot of these skills and strengths that make me different? Am I sharing the point of view about what's going on in my industry and why we stand for what we stand for and why we believe what we believe? You know, am I um, sharing enough of... Uh, you know, of the things that we do that set us apart in terms of making us different, like um, with how we connect with our audience and make life easier for them at all levels, like all of these pieces, right? Like that all is like extra that I don't think you've been talking about at all, really. I right? agree. Yeah. So when you're only talking about well, the, the end, like the, not even the end results, when you only talk about the thing that you do, we help you get clients. We help mm. you grow your audience. We help you. That's going to sound very similar to what other people are saying that they do. We help you grow your audience. We help you. But when you go, but this is why we do it. And this is how we do it. And here's the skills that we bring that nobody else has. And here are the strengths that we have that nobody else has. And here's the point of view about our industry that we have. And here's like the way we're mixing it all up. That's the differentiator. But we get so focused on the just the technicality of what we do. I help you pay off student loans. I help you navigate online dating. I help you like, cool. So do a lot of other people. We have to mix in these other pieces. Does that make sense? It does. I mean, it's scary how many pages of notes I have written down of what feels like really silly aha duh 
kind of components that I didn't even know existed. Yeah. So what just like, just to summarize, like even just two or three like points, like if I were to say now, what do you think makes you different? What are just really quickly, some bullet point things that come up? What makes your business different? Going back to the unfiltered component, like we're going to deliver your answers and results and give you expectations that are realistic based off of proven data. Okay. We're not going to tell you what you want to hear. We're going to tell you what you can expect to see. Other things that make us different is I don't know anyone else who does food and beverage sales online. Like, and we do so much of it. Like I'm talking about managing like four or 5,000 different SKUs across our portfolio of clients. Yep. Okay. What else? Keep going. Food and beverage. Um, We're going to tell you the truth, what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. I would also say that our, I guess going back to what you talked about earlier, the, the access that we have and the conversations that we're having are going to tell, we're going to tell you what to work on and make decisions for one or two years from now, not what you're cashing out at 5 p.m. Cool. We believe in the long-term strategy, not the short-term success. And we're going to tailor our working together for it, right? Here are pieces you're still Mm. tiptoeing around that I really want you to like work on. Like your team members, global access, like different time zones. Like also I speak different languages and we have a different, so we understand different cultures and different this and different that. We, uh, you know, your, your, all the strengths that you said at the beginning, right? Like in terms of like my ability to like, problem solve and um, my ability to like really like, you know, invest in myself and manage projects and all of these like phrases that we started talking about, right? Like my young age and like when I started doing this at a young age, all of that has to tie into. So why are you good at what you do? Why do you have the experience? These are all the pieces that come that are still somewhere tied to that mindset of like, I'm no different than everybody else. I'm too young to say that I'm really an expert or like my life experience isn't important and doesn't matter, right? But it does. And I want you to tie it into, because like we said, your team is an asset. Your team, like that, the fact that they have different expertise, different experience, different cultures, different, because they're located everywhere. Like you might not know something, but they do and they are an extension of you. So that adds power. It doesn't take away from your power, right? It's like, this brings more to the table for our clients that that other people might not have. And Mm -hmm. even if they have a global team, they don't have my ability to lead that team the same way. Right. So like, that's where, so I want you to, to play around in some of that stuff. And then I want you to like, come back and like, send me an email and say, here's what I've started like weaving in, in terms of our point of view, our origin story. Here's what I'm sharing. Right. Cause a lot of people are very good at saying why what they do is important. So like business coaching is important because, right? Like, because it will help you make sales, but not many people are good at saying, and here's why you want me to be your business coach, right? Like, yes, business coaching is important or paying down debt is important or digital marketing is important, but here's why you want us. Here's why you want my company to do it and nobody else's company. Mm. Does that make sense? It does. I just have so much I have to say, like, I'm so impressed right now. I'm just like, oh my gosh. It is this is even the surface level. Like I have to go even deeper of what you're telling me in these notes and go down into the why behind it. And I'm just like, 
I'm like feeling so excited. Like I've been hit with a bolt of electricity right now. I love it. And guys, and I want everybody out there, don't feel overwhelmed by it too. This is not like a one night thing. Like this is the kind of thing you marinate on, you work on, you keep tweaking. You don't have to come up with it all overnight and figure that you're going to have to change all your marketing and all your messaging and all your whatever. Like, I don't want people to feel overwhelmed. This is like a very big snapshot of pieces that you just sit with and you just incorporate bit by bit until it all comes together. And you're like, I've got it. I've got it. What we stand for, how we do it, why you want us and not anybody else. We've got it. We've got the pieces and now we can communicate it. So that's what I want you to do, Lauren. So what is your very next action that you're going to take in the next 24 hours then to keep it small and simple and bite-sized and actionable? I always love to ask that question. What's one thing you're going to do in the next 24 hours? Well, I'll say in the next 20 minutes, I'm going to schedule a round robin meeting with the team and ask if anyone wants to contribute to some of this storytelling and some of this messaging as them being invaluable assets. The as differentiators, what is something that they feel and they see um, that potentially I as the CEO and the front facing asset of our company is unaware of or not communicating loud enough. So that's I'm going to set that meeting up and bring them to the conversation. Perfect. All right. I love that. Lauren, thank you so much for being here today. Everyone, thank you for listening. I hope this helped you. It's a longer, slightly longer episode than normal, but I really think that this is a piece so many people struggle with. I don't want you to struggle with it. So hopefully you found this helpful. You know, you can always email me at feedback at readamamedoit.com with any questions. And you're not going to want to miss next week's episode when I bring to you another fabulous interviewee, Erin King. We are going to be talking about her new book, Big Deal Energy, and what it means, and how you have it, and why you want it in your business. It is going to be a really fun interview. Trust me, you're not going to want to miss it. So catch that on next week's episode of the Read and Me Do It show. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you. Hey, before you go, thank you for listening to my show. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please take a minute to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you get your podcasts and leave a review. It'll only take you a second, but it will help other people discover the Read and Mimi Do It show. And my goal is to share this business boosting and life changing content with as many people as possible. In fact, because I value your time so much, every month one reviewer will win a free coaching call with me. So if you want to get laser focused and go all in on the results that you most want in your business, then leave a review now. And then head on over to readamamedoit.com where you can find the show notes from today's episode.